Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Oh, that's the name of the show, everybody. 244 left in the first quarter. Game one of the NBA West Finals. Denver 32, Lakers 19. Of course, the NBA has finals. The NHL has final. Western Conference final in the NHL. Western Conference finals in the NBA. Can anyone explain the difference? No. It is the Yankees and Blue Jays now 3-3 in the sixth. Uh, Yankees starting pitcher. Domingo German kicked out of the game, had a foreign substance on his hands. That, everybody, is a no-no. Can't do that. <laughs> that's, that's what the ump said. He just, the ump just walked up to him, calmly said, hey, can't do that. Can't do please, that. Please leave. No argument at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. That's funny. And so, this, this is after last night where didn't their manager get ejected too or something? Or was somebody got tossed out of the yeah, game Yeah, I think night? so. I, well, I didn't see much of last night. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's 3-3 three, three in the 6th. 780-496-0063 if you want to check in. Really appreciate the uh, the text coming in tonight, and uh, we'll get to more as we move along. It is time to welcome back to the show. He joins us every two weeks here on Inside Sports, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty, former member of the Edmonton Oilers, now into broadcasting. It is Luke Gazdick. Luke, how are you doing? Good, Reed. How are we doing today? Well, I'm doing okay. I feel like there's still a bit of a cloud o over oil country. It was a very sad day yesterday, the day after the exit from the playoffs. And I contrast that with last season, Luke, where, yes, they were eliminated, but it felt a little more perhaps accepted. You know, they'd beaten Calgary. They lost to the favorite. I mean, Colorado was supposed to win the Stanley Cup all year long, as you remember. Th this year felt different, I think, for a lot of people. How about for you? It really did. I was um, I was really disappointed yesterday, and even more so today. I was waking up in the morning and still in denial that we weren't going to seven tonight. Um, I don't know how the Leafs here either in Toronto, so I, my two teams are out. And uh, I think you're exactly right, though. Just with with the regular season that that Connor had, and, and the playoff performance that Leon put on, and uh, just the way the team ended the year on a heater and one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NHL the last couple months of the season. Um, man, it just felt different. I think you're right. And, um, you know, I think I, I have to give some credit to the Knights, um, to Vegas. Uh, I, I myself, even being an avid hockey watcher and working and analyzing this year, I don't even think I gave them enough credit. Um, they were extremely well-coached, disciplined, sort of you know um but they just um they were more than the boys could handle and it's it's disappointing for sure all right so let's talk about the discipline thing you said with a little chuckle because i do i, I think i know what you're referring to alex petrangelo was suspended a game for slashing leon dry we saw in game six dry and and nick bukestad kind of make those slashing motions at petrangelo what did you think of that? Was that a telltale sign of anything for you? 
Yeah, I should preface too that when I when I say discipline, I mean they were just so disciplined in their systems. I'm talking mm-hmm. all the details on top of pucks and like not straying away from from what Butch Cassidy was selling them. Um, but to be honest, as soon as I saw Bukestad do the first one in front of the net, I I, I just shook my head. And I love I love Bukestad. I love watching him play. Um, and then I saw Leon do that. And to be honest, Reed, it was very, it's just very telling. Um, it, you can tell that they're, they're still thinking back to that game and that, and that slash and that's okay. Right. Cause that was a monstrous moment and penalty by, by Petro. I, I haven't seen something like that in hockey and in a long time, something so vicious and, and with the intent to injure. So I can understand the upset and, and the anger but man, like you just got to put that aside. And I I understand how that's probably easier said than done, but what a better way to just beat them on the scoreboard and go back to Vegas and kind of just laugh in their faces after after you spank them in game six and then back in their barn in game seven. I think that's the way the mindset should have been. And yeah, it was just kind of telling that they were still – um, they were kind of still sitting on that in in game six when there were a lot bigger problems right in front of their faces. So I, I'm wondering what you made of the one game suspension for Petrangelo and the decision to uphold the instigator penalty against Darnell Nurse. And you were a guy, who knows, if you were on this team, maybe that would have been you making sure uh, Nick Hague got in a boat late in the game after a couple of games of, of yapping, you know, they, like John yeah, Shannon I mean, was on with me. He said, they're not comparable because they were handled by different people, but I said, they're both punishment. They're both a guy missing a game. What did you make of everything? Well, I thought nurses was a joke. I tweeted about that last week after it happened. And I said, you know, you could see it coming because that's a rule. And that's everyone's argument is like, well, it's a rule. It's instigator, you know, under whatever in the last third period. And I get that, but man, Hag's a more than willing. Apparently, Stone dropped that in the interview too. That Hag had been asking him to go before the faceoff. He the guy's six six. Uh, Nursey's not jumping back there and you know jumping Riley Smith or William Carlson. Nick Hag is a willing combatant. That I just I I thought they just should have been fives. You know, I think go back, take that out, and. Just the fact that those two suspensions were the same game lengths, Petros and Nurses, was just bizarre to me. Like, there has never been a more clear intent to injure penalty, like I said earlier, that I've seen in a long time. You come across the ice with a full baseball swing at the second best player in the world, maybe best player in, in the world in the playoffs, and you go after his wrist. Like, Oh man, I'm getting worked up now thinking about it because I, I would have had to sit sit myself on that bench and and not jump over. And if I was on the ice, it probably would have been a different story. But um, yeah, I just didn't like how they were, you know, one game each. It's a joke. Yeah, certainly a lot of people in oil country unhappy about that. How how that played out. No, no, you referenced that Vegas played a very disciplined style. You like a lot of people, me included, saying Vegas is better than we thought they were. And both Dreisaitl and Hyman, though, today referenced to sum it up, basically beating themselves, that that the Oilers are still maybe learning how to manage those tight games, not to be the team that makes the key mistake in a tight game. Did you see some of that? I mean, as good as Vegas is, did the Oilers still beat themselves at times? 
Yeah, it was a healthy combination of both. Uh, you're talking time management, game management. I, there were just so many aspects. I don't. You don't want to go after Stu and Ned or or or. or okay, man, they just it looked to me like they just weren't ready to win yet. And Connor said it that you know they'll they'll learn a lot from this and they're they're going to be a better team from it. Uh, it's going to be a long 300 and. 64 days because I, I do see them being right back here next year. Um, second round playoffs, hopefully um, with a different outcome. But um, you know, these are valuable lessons, man. Um, th there's so many things that these guys will learn from that and so many things that I think they could pick up from Vegas and the way they managed the puck and just were on top of them. It looked like they were on the freaking power play half the game, just on top of them, relentless pressure. You know, getting in lanes, you know, blocking shots. It was, it was a clinic at times. And the one big takeaway is it for me is emotion in that sense. And that's one thing I think they'll learn is um, the adversity of getting you know scored on early, twenty seconds into a period, or the first shift after they score a goal. You absolutely cannot have them come back and and put one in your net. And it's it's staying engaged mentally and physically for the whole 60 and there just wasn't wasn't enough of that they were working like don't don't get me wrong i don't this wasn't even really an effort thing because because they were working hard just wasn't working smart all the time okay uh you mentioned the leafs as well before i get to a bit of a lighter side topic i want to ask you about you mentioned the leafs the one one common way to look at this is well they were happy to win the first round and then there was an emotional letdown against florida i also say florida is pretty darn good i mean they are a year away from winning the president's trophy what uh what led to the leafs demise do you think honestly there's a lot to be said for it's for a team that has that underdog mentality and the hottest goaltender probably in, in, in the NHL right now or in, in the world for that matter, right? Bob stood on his head, but you can't ever use that as a crux of, for, for the players. For me, watching this Leafs team all year, they, I mean, they're just, their big guys were not available in, in the, the biggest points of the series. Um, that core four, as you like to talk about, just kind of disappeared. I mean, Austin Matthews didn't have a goal in the series. That's that's absolutely unacceptable. And um, same, same thing similar to Edmonton. They just didn't some sometimes they had the D going, sometimes the core four were going, sometimes the goaltending was going, but they were never really there together. And uh, they just didn't look like they were on the same page. That one's disappointing for me too, because I love the additions that Kyle Dubas brought in at the deadline. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, former teammate of mine and junior and um, Nolachari and these guys, Jake McCabe, and I was like, man, I really like this team. Like this team is built, built fast and hard and tough, and it was, that was just another big disappointment for me. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to now. I, I'm not going to ask you to tell tales out of school here necessarily, but I always enjoy your your insight. So the season ends. Whether you're a team that you play game 82 and you didn't make the playoffs, or like the Oilers, you made it to the second round, and now you're out. What are the next 48 to 72 hours like? And, and I mean, I want to remind listeners, it's not all like, hey, well, let's go on one final bender together, guys, because they're expected to do some meetings and, and wrap up all that kind of stuff. So what's it? Uh, what, what are the two or three days like for players after the season ends? Uh, they're tough, to be honest. I... I dreaded um, year-end meetings, so every player will have an individual meeting. You usually meet as a group pretty much the next 
they'll set up individual meetings um, with the players, usually head coach. Uh, sometimes there's other people in there, but when it boils down to it, that's what it is. And you have kind of a, a rundown on your season and um, the goods and the bads, the future for next year. Um, so everyone's meetings are different. Uh, they're spread out throughout the day. You get your equipment and clean out your locker. It, it's kind of where everything starts to hit home that it's over. And you start booking flights and travel um, to go home, or like you said, there's there's some guys that will probably, you know, get out of Edmonton for a while, go go on a little trip and tune off for a bit. And certainly that night after all those meetings are done, you try to get the entire team together, all the spouses and everybody, because it's pretty much the last time that everyone's going to be together. And you could try to have uh, a couple laughs and a couple smiles, but. Those meetings were really stressful for me. I, I'm getting anxiety thinking about them now. I'm getting a little anxious thinking about them now just because I think you have a lot of things on your mind um, as a player. And um, a couple times, too, I've been you know on an expiring deal. And heck, Peter Shirelli sat in there and looked me in the eyes one year and just said they wouldn't be bringing me back. And to hear that is is it sucks, man. Like, I was there for three years and, um, you know, worked my tail off every day, tried to be you know, a good teammate and to have someone kind of just look you in the face and appreciate the honesty, but for them to tell you that your time here has come to an end and that you have to start looking for other options come July 1st, uh, kind of sucks. So, um, yeah, those days are tough, man, but you know, you tip your trainers and, and, uh, I, I would always get a couple sticks signed on the lighter side. I would always get a couple sticks signed, um, you know, asking, I got Nuge at home. I got, uh, Halsey and Jordan Everly and, Connor, Leon, getting to sign a stick for me and, and take those home and always pray that they wouldn't get, you know, stolen by uh, TSA or uh, baggage, baggage <laughs> claim in Toronto. So, but I got a good collection here at home, usually from clear out days where I've gotten uh, autographs from, from uh, former teammates. Well, that's nice that they'll do that for you, that it, it's not awkward to ask a teammate to sign something. Uh, not really. I, I just told Nuge to the one year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sign us. Uh, no, I, honestly, I'm, guys are really easy about it. Um, even a guy like Connor that probably every single guy wants, you just, you know, ask politely, hey, man, would it be cool if you signed one for me for my man cave back home? And, you know, I've never had a guy tell me no. So um, I haven't had too many guys ask for my stick, which is unfortunate. But um, I do have a rather, uh, rather cool collection uh, in, in my house in the basement. Well, I, I'd love a Luke Gazdick signed stick if next time you're in Edmonton. So hopefully that oh, makes you feel a little better. That. Yeah, yeah, we got to get yeah. that in the studio there. Or maybe just a mini stick. Uh, yeah, anything. <laughs> yeah, anything. Uh, what are the do you guys? So the trainers get a gift? Do they get a nice envelope or something? What do you? Yeah, do, they get a little. Uh, they get a little tip at the end of the year. Um, it's um, it's our way of uh, making a gesture for for those guys and all that they do um it's come to light a little more i think some production teams for for uh for hockey organizations have started to shed some light on the work that those guys do behind the scenes but you know harry and langer uh who are my guys and are, and are still there um you know when we land at whatever it is 1 30 2 30 in the morning and we're the ones going straight to the hotel to sleep in our five-star rooms uh they're having an, an espresso and they're going to the the, uh, to the rink to unpack all the gear and, um, you know, the trainers that look after every freaking injury and cut and scrape you have. Um, 
And then, you know, guys like uh, Sean May, who's there right now, Patty Garland was my, my guy, uh, team services people who take care of your family all year and tickets and, and all that stuff. So there's some people uh, in charge around the organization that maybe don't necessarily get their due or, or are, um, you know, respect, uh, are well-respected that we talk about. So uh, we make it known to them. And, and I was always trying to be good about, um, you know, looking after those guys. Well, Luke, you have uh, looked after us very well here on Inside Sports. Uh, let's let's try to get in one more before the end of the hockey season. Sound good, buddy? Yeah, I'd love that, man. I've had a pleasure, too, but that sounds good. Right on. Great stuff. Luke Gazdick checking in, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the Lifetime warranty so there you go you just ask a teammate for a signed stick just say hey man i need it for my man cave you got to give me a stick so uh and uh, it sounds like a little bit of bonus pay for some of the off-ice staff members around the nhl after their team gets eliminated too 722 it's inside sports on jet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, I got the NBA game on the tube. Denver 44, Lakers 29. Ten minutes left in the first half. Game one of the NBA West Finals. The uh, Oilers, well, several Oilers players spoke today. Uh, we had Dreisaitl, we had Kane, we had McDavid, we had Skinner, we had Hyman, and we had Ekholm. We had some cuts from them earlier in the show. We'll drop in some more here in the final half hour. Also, uh, an interesting comment from Hart Levine of Puckpedia. He was on with Bob earlier today about the Oilers' salary cap situation going into the offseason. And uh, also Frank Cervelli on those rumors that Steve Steos will be the next general manager of your Edmonton Oilers. We'll get to that in the final half hour of the show as well. A little more from you here, 780-496-0063. Kellen, what's coming in? Oh, lots of uh, Oilers-related uh, texts uh, on the text line tonight, but we'll go to a Stanley Cup playoffs-related text here from Sam. Okay. Uh, could Yessi win the Cup? That's from Sam. Uh, okay, here are some of the storylines that might be somewhat heartbreaking for Oilers. Tell you what, for asking that question, Kellen, let's get, is that, who was set that in? Sam. Sam gets a uh, Inside Sports Can't Ham t-shirt. Sam gets ham. So there we let go. Sam, I guess that could be uh, Samantha, so let Sam, uh, he or she, know that uh, they're getting a Can't Ham t-shirt for, for asking sure. a good question. Well, yes, yes, he could win the Stanley Cup. He doesn't play every game for Carolina, doesn't play a lot when he plays, but he could win the Stanley Cup. Here's something else that would sting, perhaps. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe Oilers fans wouldn't care very much, but it would be somewhat of a storyline. Jack Eichel could win the Stanley Cup before Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. That's something else. Um, Matthew Kachuk could win the Stanley Cup before... Well, McDavid, well, I mean, Edmonton hasn't won it. Flores never won it. But Kachuk, I mean, here, like, these are all the interesting things that if you had said this when the player was drafted, and that's all you would have told fans. Like if when Jesse Pugliarvi was drafted, uh, what are we at now, six years ago, seven years ago? Seven years ago. If you would have said Jesse Pugliarvi will win the Stanley Cup in 2023, Oilers fans would have said, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, should be good by then. Oilers will be good. If you would have said uh, Jack Eichel's going to win the Stanley Cup before Connor McDavid the day they were drafted, you would have said, really? Buffalo's going to be better than the Oilers? 
uh, if you would have went the day Matthew Kachuk was drafted, if you would have said Matthew Kachuk will win the Stanley Cup before Connor McDavid, you would have said, seriously, the Flames are going to win it before the Oilers? Yeah. But things... Uh, what about Peter DeBoer? Like, the guys in the conference finals almost all the time. He coached Vegas, and he's... Is this the sixth time he's gone up against them in the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Well, it couldn't be that many, because that's only how many years Vegas has been in the league. But he's coached against them a lot, too, as well as coaching them. Anyway, uh, 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Back after the news and weather. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.